0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the new mainstream podcast where we explore the impact of multicultural consumers on marketing and media. I'm your host, Mario Carrasco, and co founder of Think Now. Today, our guest is Vanessa Vigil, general manager of Me Too. Welcome, Vanessa.
1: Thank you, Mario. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, excited to have you. Um, so before we dive in, have lots of questions. Want to learn more about like your journey? How did you become general manager of Me Too? Like your background, marketing or media? Would just like love to hear more about by your career yeah. journey.
1: Absolutely. Um, so I joined the media space right out of college. Um, I don't know how typical that is, but um, I graduated Amherst College and I started working at a Latino agency, media agency called Arenas Entertainment. At the time, they were the uh, agency of record for Universal Pictures. So I joined their media team as a media coordinator. And that's where I got my first exposure to media buying um, in that, you know, at that time it was traditional media. So obviously a lot of local radio, TV, um, really fun industry, very dynamic. So I spent several years there. And after that, I joined um, my boss from that agency. She branched off to begin her own agency called Baru Advertising. So um, that was a really good experience and kind of boutique marketing, startup Um, it was great, uh, continued working with entertainment clients and a little bit of, uh, we had wine clients as well, which is very fun to get to go up North to wine country for work. Um, and after that I joined, uh, the big agency world. So I went over to work on the Disney account as, uh, with, at the time it was 4d, they were later acquired by Omnicom. So they became OMD entertainment. Um, so Always has been, you know, my focus has always been multicultural marketing, multicultural media, um, and entertainment because we're based in LA and that tends to be a lot of the accounts that are here, right? So um, after that, I did about four years on the Disney account and then, um, you know, working mostly the strategy, multicultural strategy. And then I went over to Essence and worked on the Universal account for a bit. But I always, really loved me As a client, um, I just felt like they were always the media company, the Latino media company that really got the experience right, Uh, really sort of reflected what my experience had been growing up as a U.S. Latina. And so I always had my eye on wanting to come over here. And the opportunity arose um, to come run their brand partnerships team. So I did that in early 2019. Um, and since then, you know, the company's been acquired, been through a lot of changes. We'll jump into that. And then um, last summer, I was made general manager because, you know, my role sort of started expanding beyond our brand partnerships business um, and really understanding how all of the other departments obviously interconnect.
0: That's great. Yeah. I, I, that's so cool. Because um, I'm a fan of Me Too, obviously. Um, similar, right? Like as a, um, bilingual, bicultural, Latino, um, their content has always resonated with me and for you being in the media space and being able to go there. That's awesome. I'm, I'm curious, like, how was that transition? You know, you worked with smaller agencies, multicultural, and then kind of moved to like big account, big agency. And that's like Mm -hmm. really well-rounded experience for you coming both sides. Like, how was that transition from you going to, from smaller multicultural to like an Omnicon size? Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's a great question. And it was, it was, it was a really good, you know, it wasn't, um, strategically plotted or anything, but I do think it was really important. Um, being part of a small, you know, Latino focused, uh, agency world, you know, was wonderful. There's a comfort in that. It feels like, you know, being home, it feels like being with your family. You're kind of, everybody thinks similarly. You're, um, Somewhat of it's an echo chamber of, you know, feelings, experiences, and philosophies. Um, Joining the general market space um, was definitely very different. You know, it was challenging in different ways to be, and a lot of times feel like the only one (laughs) bringing that perspective. It feels like a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. I definitely questioned myself every step of the way because, um, you know, it's, it is a little uneasy to feel like I'm here representing for not just every, you know, Latino POV, but every multicultural POV. Um, and we all know that that's, you know, one person should not be making those choices. Um, but at the same time, the thing that I really loved, I also feel that that was where I got the most amount of growth was being part of those big agencies was really again you break out of that echo chamber and you realize the piece of the puzzle that multicultural is and how it fits into the much greater marketing picture and all of the other initiatives that go into marketing Um, and i think that's really important perspective it's important to understand that again you know when when we're multicultural marketers we tend to think like that's the end all be all, and it is absolutely very important. But it's important to understand how you strategically fit into the greater picture, um, and understand that a marketing team has so many initiatives and so many responsibilities that it's trying to meet. And so, really thinking about how can I be additive to that experience, how can I sort of fit into that, and you know, prove the value of what I'm representing. That was invaluable experience. Um, I really, really enjoyed my time with Omnicom and on the Disney account. I mean, they're a tremendous group of, of marketers and marketing genius. Um, so it was it was an incredible gift to be part of that.
0: Yeah, that, that resonates with me so much. I, I, I don't have, um, like from the market research side of things, I've never worked for a large market research company. It's like I worked for Hispanic biz- business uh, back mm-hmm. in the day. I worked for a small boutique research agency called Garcia research, which was all focused on Latino research and then founding think now, but I did find myself like kind of thrust into situations where we were the only Latino focus agency, the only Latinos in the space. And yeah. so that was definitely a wake up call, but um, yeah, to your point, it ha- it's invaluable to be part of those conversations. And I think one of the things for me that resonates is like, you realize working on the multicultural side i think you kind of take for granted some of that institutional knowledge you have from multicultural and you and you think mm-hmm. you think like oh everybody knows this but like some basic yeah. facts and you start to talk to other marketers it's like oh yeah what we do is actually really important and impactful
1: yeah there's it's never ending education i guess if you will and it it does it feels a little unusual to have to educate on, you know, what for us, like you said, is like living and breathing. It's just our experiences, it's things we take for granted. Um, but yeah, I think it it is really important and, you know, it's so much part of what you do as a marketer is to to try to convince and sort of open people's eyes to other experiences and other perspectives. Um, and I, I love that exchange. I mean, I think that's, that's what's so great about marketing. And so, you know, you can't be sort of resentful for that. I think like that's where the magic happens is when you get get, you know, several perspectives at the table and, uh, really come up with something new. So
0: for sure. Um, so we've been talking about me too, and I was going to jump into some questions, but maybe like yeah. backing up a bit. Cause I, again, I'm assuming like everybody knows me too. Just it's a brand I've been following for, it feels like for forever. Um, tell us a little bit about like the brand and like what it is, um, for those that may yeah. not be familiar with me too.
1: Absolutely. Um, yes. So Mithu is, I, I do like to say it feels like it's now finally arrived to be a legacy brand um, for those of us that have been following it for that long. So it's about 10 years old now. We turned 10 this year, actually. So it launched 10 years ago. Um, originally, it was a multi-channel network. So really pulling together different, mostly YouTube creators. It had a really strong YouTube creator network. Um, but a few years into that business model, they shifted to really start creating their own voice. And so, um, you know, Mitu is a digital publisher, is how I would describe it. Really focused on the 200% Latino community. Um, that POV. That again, there's so so many Latinos in the U.S. and so many of us that are children of immigrants, and that is a very unique experience where we we are very much Americanized, very much, you know, ingrained in, in US culture, but also very tied to our our parents' culture and our home culture. And so um, it's different than say, you know, Spanish media, which really appeals to more of the nostalgia and the, you know, people that have come from other countries and maybe Spanish is their first language. For us, it really is that English is our first language. Um, so we exist mostly on social media. Um, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, YouTube, um, we do have our own o site as well. Um, so there's a lot of editorial um, publishing there. And yeah, at this point, we're building it to be a portfolio of brands, because again, we're not a monolith, even you know, this, this sort of US born or, you know, US raised cohort, um, we have a lot of different interests and priorities. And so um, yeah, so MeToo will continue to grow as a digital publisher.
0: Can, can you tell us a little bit, um, like, cause I'm, I'm familiar with, um, obviously like the main brand MeToo, that yeah. bilingual bicultural content, well, ma- mainly English content, but, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I throw bilingual and there. there's, there's references here and there. Right. And then is, I'm familiar yeah. with some of the like sub-brands like Fierce, um, yes what what other what other brands are there, and like what do what kind of sub audiences do they appeal to
1: yeah, so yes, uh we call it Wham for we are meet Too. that is our handle across you know most of our our um platforms, so that is the flagship brand. you're right, most of the content is in English, but absolutely bilingual, you know we get the question all the time, especially from advertisers and clients, you know. Um, should we give you Spanish creative? Should we? And we're like, you know, we always say our audience is, is very bilingual. Again, they grew up with Spanish speaking parents. They probably, you know, have relatives with whom they only communicate in Spanish. Um, but in, you know, work and school and friends and everything else, they're probably communicating in English. So, um, absolutely. It is bilingual in the moments where it makes sense. we, you know, absolutely embrace our Spanish. Um, Somos Mitu is another brand which actually started from the beginning and has you know remained strong. Um, that is sort of our Spanish brand, if you will. So um, right now it's mostly you know a lot of comedic content, a lot of memes, um, but we do have plans to you know roll that out more intentionally later this year. Fierce launched in 2017, and that was our female focused brand. It continues to be, it just had a little bit of a brand refresh. Uh, but that is really, um, let me back up to Wham! So, Wham is really all about culture, nostalgia. It's really that feeling like, oh, we all had the same childhood growing up, right? So, that's kind of where we uh, curate our content. There, um, it's definitely more lighthearted. And, um, and just fun. It's really just about embracing and celebrating our culture and kind of all the uniqueness and the quirks and the comedy that comes with that. Um, fierce we say is kind of like our, you know, college educated prima who's, you know, left and just, you know, offers you know, pearls of wisdom left and right. It's who you go to for advice. It's a very supportive community. I love that about fierce. It's, you know, in social media, it can be, you know, a double-edged sword in terms of having that communication with your audience. And they are very, you know, just fiercely supportive of each other. Um, It really is about celebrating Latinas that are, you know, making great moves and, you know, celebrating all the victories that, that come with that. Um, so that's a, you know, continues to grow. We actually just hit a threshold on Friday, um, of 200,000 followers on Instagram. So we're excited to just see that community keep growing. Um, a lot of HIPAA content. (laughs) Yeah, it was very exciting. It was, it was really exciting. The team was watching the ticker as it, you know, hit the mark.
0: Um,
1: So, yeah, and, you know, it continues to thrive. We really want that to be a place where it's a resource also of, um, you know, think of something like um, Masterclass or, you know, listening to kind of these stories of generations that, you know, women that have done it um, are continuing to sort of thrive and passing on that knowledge to the next generations. You know, something we say that as Latinos, we don't, always have the benefit of, you know, generational wealth and generational entrepreneurship. And so we really want to make sure that that is something that we are passing along to our audience um, by way of other Latino success stories. Um, And so, you know, we also launched last year Crema, which is our music vertical um, so that is growing nicely as well. Um, we launched that because when we joined this, uh, the company that owns us now, they had Latido music. And so there's a, you know, there's a pretty strong music DNA within the company. Um, so we launched Crema and that's, that's been exciting. You know, we had an, an unofficial showcase at South by Southwest a couple of weeks ago. Um, and that, that's growing really well, um,
0: well, and we'll t- t- tell me to that, that's super interesting. I, I haven't heard mm-hmm. about grandma Tell me more about that. Is it like um social media content based like highlighting artists like what
1: It is. Yeah, it really is. So it it is, you know, it exists again Instagram, TikTok. Um it's on Twitter as well, but Instagram is is the largest platform. Um so it is. It's a lot of uh artist content, artist interviews. Um, you know, the, the woman who was running that brand for us, she had amazing connections. And so we have gotten a lot of really great, you know, artist opportunities and exclusives. Um, but we're really looking, you know, it continues to evolve. We're really looking to have it not just sort of be only artist-focused, but we really want to look a little bit deeper to see, you know, where does music intersect with our culture? Um, And I think also looking at ways in which sometimes our culture influences other types of music, right, or other artists. So it, it is an exchange, especially in a creative space like that. So that continues to, to be a brand that, you know, will grow and evolve. It's, it's still, you know, for us, it's still kind of a baby brand where we continue to experiment and see it's, what's going to work. Um, we have different formats. We, had, um, we have our studio space in LA. And so, for example, we had uh, Gina Chavez stop by and do sort of an impromptu performance and interview for us. So we hope that we'll be doing more content like that as well.
0: Yeah, is there any other um kind of brand launches or things that yeah. you can share with us or what what's and what's down the pipe? Yes,
1: <laughs> definitely. The one um the other one that we launched in February was Things That Matter. So Things That Matter was a vertical within me through within our editorial site. Um and it really is more, you know, I guess it's the social conscience is what we call it, you know, of our brands. And um, you know, in the summer of 2020, obviously there was so much happening and affecting communities of color. And, you know, we realized that channeling that content through We Are Me Too, um, felt a little bit of a disconnect because you could get, you know, a comedic meme one moment and then you get something very serious and heavy the next moment, you know, maybe an editorial article. And so to better curate that experience um, where we launched things that matter. So that is now its own bespoke brand. That is our, our true baby brand. Cause it just launched last month. Um, but again, we, we envision that being for resources covering, social policy issues that are affecting our communities. Um, you know, last year we launched a program called Me Too Cares, which um, gave, you know, gave a grant to small business owners or Latinos in the community doing something. We had it sort of be an audience nomination. Um, so over the summer, you know, we had the audience nominate um, LGBTQ Latino business owners and we selected one to give a grant to. So, who cares is something that will run through things that matter so again that really is a lot more about arming our audience with resources with education um, just the things that really affect um, you know in in sort of I guess social impact um, so that is the latest one that that we launched and we're excited to see that one grow
0: very cool um, you mentioned earlier and it made me think about you, you talked a little bit about the 200%, um, mm-hmm. and it made me think about too, like y- y- for Crema, for example, you mentioned how Latino culture is affecting music. And, um, I think one of the cool things about me too, like my wife, she's, um, Sri Lankan, but like follows me too, and has been a fan for a long time yeah. and will send me memes. And it's <laughs> cool. Like that idea of, uh, about having immigrant parents, um, mm-hmm. Be, but being born in the U.S. like resonates outside of Latinidad as well, right? To like yeah. other cultures. Um, is that reflected in the data uh, that you see? And then from from an audience perspective, and also would love to just talk a little bit more about this concept of the 200%. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I'd love to hear that. Um, and I've I've, ex- I've heard that as well in meetings, you know, with, with maybe other clients or, or folks that um, are not Latino, but they're like, I, I get it. I follow it. Like there's so much resonance and there's so much similarity. I think, you know, when we, yeah, just growing up as children of immigrants, right? Like there's, yeah. there is a shared experience in that for sure. Um I unfortunately, I don't have sort of the stats to cite on that. At one point, Nithu did have that. I remember that when I was, you know, client side, um, that they did have the stats that showed, you know, kind of how incredibly multicultural, you know, Latinos, like circle of friends are. Um, that was a time when you know, Facebook and social media would give you that data. As you know, now we don't have access to, you know, kind of um, race-based data and targeting capabilities anymore. So that has all gone away. Unfortunately, we've lost those data points. Um, But, you know, just anecdotally, we do hear that there is a lot of resonance. And I think, you know, we share a lot of, you know, I follow Personally, a lot of um, you know, like black culture um, brands that you know, I can absolutely relate like to some of the things, right? Like again, we just we share some of that experience. Um, But yeah, the the two hundred percent is something that Miku did coin. It's become pretty ubiquitous now. I feel like a lot of people have used it and coined it, um, which I guess is a good thing. I'll take it as a good thing. Um, But yeah, it's the idea, you know that. You know, I think for perhaps our parents' generation or generations that came before us, there was a sense, um, you know, you hear about, for example, a lot of times Latinos in Texas, you know, said like maybe they didn't carry over the language because the need to acculturate was that first and foremost priority was like, let's just, you know, you get here and you try to be as American as possible. You leave your culture and your language behind because that is going to, that's going to be what helps you to succeed and thrive here. And I think, you know, fortunately we've evolved in the sense that, you know, now, you know, there was a whole generation that really was about, no, we're going to retain this. You know, I know personally, my mom always, you know, we've it was the typical dynamic where she and my dad would speak Spanish to us we got to the point where we were just responding English and it still is very much that dynamic but that Spanish was always there um you know stories all the time just driving in the car she'd be like you know do you know this is the baggy lad and so and so and his mom was so and so like from Mexico like she would just you know random stories that she would tell me about culture and I'm so grateful for that, you know, is the idea that it was always there. And even when you're a kid, I'm sure I was like the kid in the car rolling my eyes, like, I don't care about this, but it's there and it's ingrained. And so the 200% is really, it's that you can be both of everything. And it's not that it's a zero sum game. That's like, well, I can only be this much Latino because I need to make space to be this much American or I need to really prove how American I am. So that means I need to abandon my my other culture. It's really about embracing both and that, you know, there's like a superpower in being really fully a hundred percent Latino and a hundred percent American. Um, and it just makes you so much stronger. So um, I'm so grateful that like, you know, we've gotten to a point where I think that is seen like such a, a strength now and something to embrace.
0: So for sure, and and we've um like at our house, you know, we have two little ones, six and eight, and we've actually stole the term as well, two hundred percent, because yeah. we realize like we can't tell them they're half Sri Lankan or half and half Mexican because
1: yeah.
0: um, it's like this less than it's like no, you're a hundred percent Sri Lankan, hundred um, percent Mexican. Although we yeah. have struggled like. Telling them you are also American, you know? Yeah, like,
1: they're 300 percenters. <laughs> they're 300
0: percenters. So we like, we have to remember because, but we feel like they just, they just get that by going to school and friends. Yeah. Like, like they're not, they're going to, um, they're going to know they're American. But yeah, um,
1: I love that though. It is, it, it is so important to just, yeah, ingrain that from an early age. Like, it is so cool that you have these you know, a a full sort of composition and makeup of other cultures and things that, you know, and like, I I love that, you know, it's important to sort of seed that empowerment from early on, because yeah, I think everybody goes through that phase, right? Where you just sort of, you want to blend in, you want to be like everybody else, um, particularly in adolescence. And, you know, I, I do love seeing, you know, when there is more of an exchange, um, between kids of like their different cultures or even like birthday part i have little kids too and it's like yeah. we go to birthday parties and i don't know they have like food from their culture or their yeah. drinks i'm like this is like i i love that like we should not be ashamed of of you know our our cultures and what we bring and i i love when you have those moments to exchange that
0: how how, how one one like and it makes me think like i mean we're in la like one of the most diverse um places in the country but i also feel like it's like a barometer for how the rest of the country is going to be um yeah. in 10 20 years like um you know and one of the stats like i'm sure that you're aware of right gen z is the first ma- majority Mul- multicultural majority, yeah, multicultural, majority. Yeah, yeah majority um i was going to say majority minority but that like mm-hmm. doesn't make sense I know. <laughs> 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 um like how like yeah how how has that affected the brand of me too because like i i I think when i think of me too now that it's been around for a decade like a a, a traditionally millennial brand um -hmm. is there anything you all are doing different to kind of to capture gen z um i guess it sounds like one of the things for example the launching the new brand things that matter i think it is um now gen z is very Mm -hmm. socially aware big about social impact um but have you ever made any modifications or, um, I don't know, just thinking about how do we reach younger, not yeah. like Gen Z?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there, there's a few things we, we think about, um, certainly with things that matter, but even some of our other brands, you know, something we've talked about wanting to do is, like workshops um, for, you know, college students, for for younger Latinos, bringing them into our studio and bringing in, you know, experts, whether it's from Lali for the academy, you know, there's different partnerships that we're speaking with and universities um, that I think it's, again, being being a resource to the community. I mean, first and foremost, it is very much part of our mission, like that's what we want to do. And that's what everybody that works at Mithu is why we're there to feel like we are positively impacting our community. Um, but, you know, I think that's a way in which we sort of position ourselves to have a seat, you know, and consideration amongst that younger generation. Um, internships, obviously, is something that, you know, is, is important to us as well, bringing them in. And I think, you know, we're always looking at kind of who who is that next generation of up and coming, you know, creators, or they're trying to foster communities or ideas. Um, we traveled, or we partnered recently with um, a woman who runs uh, brown girl travels and, you know, she's got a, a great community on Instagram and she did this um, a free community book fair in Highland park. And it just being able to support um, ideas like that, that really, you know, that's the next generation of, you know, how they're thinking and, and taking action to foster a sense of community. Um, that's really where we want to be. um And then, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, in my mind, the the things that keep me up is like, okay, what's like, what's the the, the next platform? Should we be thinking of Web 3.0? Should we be thinking of, you know, kind of what are all those next phases um, just to make sure that we remain relevant? Um, But yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think one thing I think of a lot too is like, you know, the diversity of Gen Z, um, Mm -hmm. but also like the um, one thing I don't think we talk about much in, Multicultural marketing is, like, how multiracial younger generations are becoming. Absolutely. And, yeah. and what's interesting is, like, Latinos are driving that. Like, we have the highest yeah. rate of interracial marriage. Interracial. And, mm-hmm. um, which I think is so cool. And I think it's, like, reflected, right? Like, stories about, like, my family and how they're consuming me too. And um, yeah. so I think you'll have a, a unique platform to be able to reach that. Next, yeah, multiracial audience.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really great point, you know, and I think, you know, that's something that we have on our radar too is to get into, you know, more parenting content, family content as our audience has aged with us, you know, when it started 10 years ago and everybody was, you know, then in their 20s, they're now in their 30s and starting families and, you know, becoming homeowners. And so, um, that is very, you know, that's certainly the life stage I've entered. And I think like that is that is very much on our radar is to look at parenting. And, you know, something I really want to make sure is we're not looking at parenting as just like, oh, it's moms. Like I see, you know, men more engaged than ever. Personally, I have, you know, an incredibly supportive and engaged, you know, spouse, my husband, who's just probably more involved in all the kids activities than I am. Like, and I think it's important to reflect that 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 has changed with this generation as well. Like men are incredibly involved um, and very active and participants in, in everything with the kids. And um, and yeah, looking at parenting and what does that mean from multiracial, like that is, I think that was the largest growth segment in the yeah. US census was multiracial, right? Which should be interesting for them to try to categorize us into yeah. that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting to see.
0: Yeah, and I I think also I I read something about just, like, how Latino, Latinx think about themselves is different, right? Like, um, I think more apprehension of um, putting down a specific race or, like, I think it was an increase in other, um, Mm -hmm. which from a research perspective, we're trying to unpack, you know? Um, Yeah. (laughs) But, one, you know, one thing I did want to touch on, like, I, I think kind of back to when we were talking about where we're in this echo chamber where, where for example, like something we get a lot, it's like Spanish language, right? When brands are still, I would say, thinking about when they think about Latinos, like Spanish language, um, what, like, what's your thought on that, given that me too is an English language? And like, how do mm-hmm. you, how do you deal with that pushback that like, oh, we don't need to you know, yeah. invest in English language because we have Spanish language advertising already for Latinos.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, context is everything and, you know, other, other media companies use this as well, but I do think it, it applies in that it's really about in culture. Um, and so the way that, you know, a marketer would think about trying to reach a sports fan or an entertainment fan again, um, culture should be seen similar to that, right? It's an affinity. Yes. You can reach me with a regular vanilla ad that is very, you know, middle of the road. Um, you can put that brand in front of anybody. Right. But is it going to be memorable? Probably not. Um, if you, you know, so, so just the way that you think about reaching different, um, affinities and, you know, mindsets and contextual environments and behaviors. It's the same thing with culture. Um, So it really should be seen that way. And, uh, you know, language is, in my mind, I think it's secondary to that, to making sure that you're reaching them with the insight of what matters and what's going to motivate that consumer. Um, It just happens to be, you know, for us, we've we create our content mostly in English because, again, that's that has become the primary language for most of our audience. Um, it's the default on digital. You know, it's pretty rare that you're going to find somebody who is so Spanish dominant they're going to change all their settings to Spanish. Um, that has always been the case, especially I think as digital became as mainstream as it is, um, English was always
0: the default. For sure, and and, and on that note, like one question i usually ask of our guests like um our, our audience is is made up of kind of two polar opposites like one people mm-hmm. that are very deep into their multicultural journey and just want to stay abreast of like the latest and greatest and then the other end like people that their their brand um their the company that they work for have never done multicultural but they know that they have to and so they're trying mm-hmm. trying to listen and get a sense what advice would you give for brands companies that want to get into multicultural marketing but don't know where to start?
1: The first advice I think is definitely seek the consultation and advice of someone from that community. Um, I, you know, I think that's I don't know if that's obvious, but you know, trying to make assumptions just based on you know, however much research you do or things you read uh, is not enough as, you know, relying on people that have that experience and can sort of gut check that authenticity and gut check the the creative. It's it's easy to sort of misstep in that space. Um, And so I think that that first and foremost is what's important, is making sure that there are representatives of that culture that you can consult with um, and that can advise you on how to do it um, right and authentically. Um, You know, I think we've fallen into, or I've seen sort of the marketing space fall into just some of the obvious, like all Latinos love sports, all Latinos love family and they love food. Well, yes, we do. But that's the top layer. Like, how do you go way beyond that? How do you try to uncover stories that are going to matter and, you know, develop a campaign that's going to really help a community or whatever segment of the community you're trying to reach, feel seen and and valued and empowered and appreciated? That's a very different approach than just like, here's a, you know, 12 Latinos around a table enjoying a great meal. Like, Sure, we enjoy that, but that's become so obvious. It's almost, you know, I, I cringe a little bit every time I get a brief like that that's like just sort of goes that deep. I'm like, come on, guys, like we can yeah. go go further. <laughs> like, you know.
0: Like the abuelita, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, like we all love our abuelitas, but like what culture doesn't? What yeah. culture doesn't love food? What culture doesn't love family, right? Like it's there's more to uncover. Um, so really, you know, taking your insights deeper. And I think that's where, you know, research is important um, because it's going to, you know, it's going to play differently in different categories. The tone you're trying to hit, you know, what messaging are you trying to communicate? How are you trying to position your brand in the mind of these consumers? Um, I think that's, you know, it's, it can't be as just as obvious as like soccer, food and family
0: that's great advice and and yeah just having someone at the table in the conversations um that's of that culture and also that yeah. that wants to do it like one, one mistake mm-hmm. i've seen is like people just randomly pulling in people from an organization yeah. and it's like no like a token
1: person yeah, it, yeah.
0: it's got to be someone that's that does it for a living or has shown interest in your organization that they, they, they yeah,
1: that's actually really smart. That's, that's a good call is yeah. If you've got like that one or two person, you know, people in your organization, somebody in finance, like don't it, first of all, it's an unfair burden to put on that person. Like you said, if they're not the person that wants to do it, or they're not a marketer Um, and it's, yeah, it's just, it's a little bit of the lazy way out, like really, you know, rely on on marketers and people that know this there are plenty of amazing you know latino marketing consultants and agencies that you know if just a little bit of research and a google search you're going to come across so many that would be fantastic to work with
0: um and then we're, we're almost at our time but i did want to ask mm-hmm. like is there? can you share like some of your favorite campaigns that you've done for me through that like that they've got it right and um you know, maybe like a company or brand that really entrusted you to take whatever insight or vision you had to reach? Like, is there a case study you could share with us?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, we have a couple of great, really great brand partners. Um, You know, the ones that always stand out in my mind are definitely more of the brand campaigns. Um, You know, some have been year-long partnerships. Some have been ones that, you know, really emphasize on like you know Hispanic heritage or Latino Heritage Month um, you know target is really great I think that you know their platform of masque just made a lot of sense that that was their platform last year and the thing that I'll say more broadly about target that I've noticed is I really like um, they've you know their commitment to communities of color or whether it's, you know, women owned brands or black owned brands, Latinos, like they carry that throughout the year. Like at any time you go to target or I'm on on their website, right? Like I spend way too much money there, but they like, (laughs) they, they kind of always, they feature that all the time now. Like you will find black owned brands on their shelves all the time, Latino owned brands. And I think that's important is definitely don't just, bow in for you know september 15th october 15th and then bow out Um, it really is about showing that continued presence so um with musket you know the one that stands out we've, we've done two years of partnership with them but last year um we featured um pacinos so it's a latino owned um, you know, hair product brand for men. Um, it was during the year of the pandemic, so we did took an animated approach in, in telling his story, and that performed incredibly well because I think again it was about telling a Latino success story. Um, it you know, it was product that's on their shelves, so it didn't feel like this you know, really, it didn't feel like a stretch in terms of like, okay, and by the way, here's the product, like it genuinely told the story of an entrepreneur, you know, the struggles he faced and ultimately his success in ending up on target shelves. And, um, that was incredible. Like that just spoke very true to our audience. It was very inspirational. It, it fit very well in our platforms and, um, and position the brand, you know, front and center in a very authentic way. Um, State Farm is another brand that you know we do really great work with, and also just enables us to do a lot of that storytelling. Um, we've debe- developed a couple series for them, but one is for Love of the Neighborhood, so it's really showcasing like neighborhood heroes who, you know, have started organizations, whether it's you know a diaper drive or um, pet adoption. So that, you know, again, when, when brands sort of position themselves to enable Latino storytelling, um, I like to me, that's kind of the, the best of both worlds where they're trusting us to tell these stories from our community. um, And they're really positioning themselves as, you know, genuine supporters of our communities.
0: I love that. And Target has come up a couple of times in terms of like, best in class. um, Yeah. And, and we've actually had Solomon Bennett, he he was uh, insights manager there at Target. He's no longer there, but um, Target really, yeah. it, like to your point, they they've been putting in the work year round for a mm-hmm. long time. Um, yeah. So that's that's great to hear. Um, it's, it's been awesome having yeah. you on. Thank you again Thank for, you. for being on. Um, for people <laughs> that want to connect with you and learn more about me too, can you share like social handles, websites?
1: Yeah. um, So I mean, definitely follow us on all of our socials. So we are on um, Instagram and Snapchat, uh, Facebook for those that are still on there, TikTok as we are Um and uh, our website is Um My personal on Instagram, although I should be more active, is VaneVigil Vigil underscore vv um, on Instagram. So uh, you'll find me there. Um, but yeah, this was amazing. It was so great to speak with you,
0: and yeah. Thanks again. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks to everyone listening in. To get more multicultural insights, check us out at thinknow.com and follow us on social media. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. Final thank you to our producer, Lucas Martinez, who created our intro music and makes our podcast sound great. To email him, reach out to martinez.lucas.a at gmail.com.